good morning and welcome. Welcome as we get, it's good to gather here in God's presence, invited by God to come and to worship. And so welcome to all of us here gathered in person, but also welcome to those who are joining online. We're thankful that by God's spirit, we can be united uh, together as God's people. And so before we begin our service, just a, a couple of announcements. One, welcome, especially if you're joining us as a first time. We're glad that you can be here. Thankful that you can join us. A couple things about the service. Um, There is children's worship, and the children will be dismissed uh, after the prayer of invocation. There's no preschool class today. We're doing that class every other Sunday, so it'll be back next week. But uh, children who are interested or like to can go to this back door, and Miss Melinda will meet them and take them downstairs to the class for children's worship. Also, we'll uh, have communion as part of our service today, and so there was the communion elements on the way in. And so make sure you have one of those if you're planning on participating in communion. And the last thing is that during this time of having a shortened uh, worship service, we're not uh, passing the offering plates like we normally do, uh, but we still want to remember that God is generous to us, and in his generosity, we want to respond generously back. And so if you like to give to the work of the church and to the mission, uh, there's a silver offering plate in the back of the sanctuary, or you can give online uh, through the website. Well, God has called us to come and to worship. He's interrupted our life to come and say, today is a day to meet with God's people and respond to his goodness. So as we get ready to do that, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. today is from Psalm 36. Um, We're not singing in here quite yet, but there is a responsive reading part, so I invite all of you to stand and join us. Righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the feet of the arrogant come upon me, nor the hands of the wicked drive me away. 
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, in your majesty you have made all that is seen and unseen. In your strength you sustain the course of the earth and uphold nature itself. In your greatness you provided a savior to remove our wrongdoings from your sight, to rescue us from darkness, to bring us into light, and to restore all that is ruined within and without. God, in your love, you give us your spirit to guide, teach, convict, and comfort us so that we might know you are near. We come this morning to worship and praise you, the risen Jesus Christ, desiring your reign, rule, pleasure, and joy. Yet we also come this morning confused, distressed, angry, and grieved by our current circumstances that we see playing out in our city and in our nation. Lord God, we pray that you would be with the family of Adam Toledo. Lord, we pray that you would draw near to them. Lord, we grieve the loss of life. Lord, we ask that your justice would be done, that you would bring healing in the midst of the brokenness that we see within our systems, within our city, within our neighborhoods. Lord God, we need your mercy in this very moment. And give us wisdom and insight to draw near. Lord, we pray this. We ask that you would be merciful. Lord, we recognize that there is many who are vulnerable and the youth in our city who are being hurt. And Lord, we pray that you would bring an end to it. Feeling angry, helpless, and powerless, we ask for your grace in this moment. We ask for a wisdom a strength and a courage that comes only from the risen living Jesus Christ. Lord, we continue to see violence and death not only felt in our city, but in our nation. Lord, we are tired to see the mass shootings that are happening. Lord, we pray that you would be with the families in Indianapolis who have lost loved ones. Lord, how much longer will we see violence? How much longer will we see murder on this scale? Lord, will you act and bring justice? Lord, we ask that you would draw near to us in this moment. Lord, we continue to pray for those who are sick from the virus, and we give thanks for the vaccine and the ways in which we're already seeing it help those, especially the vulnerable. Lord, we continue to pray for our sister Susan and her aunt Ev. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bring rest and healing to Ev. And Lord, we thank you for Susan and the ways in which she continues to care for her aunt. And Lord, we do pray for Bill Wilson, who had a bicycle accident. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bring healing to his knee and to his wrists, and that he would be able to recover well. Lord, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship, um, God invites us to bring to him our burdens and our sins, and we will do this both um, publicly, but then also privately. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Lord, we pray that the fruit of your Spirit may grow in us. Heavenly Father, your faithfulness is an enduring as the heavens. Your love for us has never changed, and you have never turned away from us because of our sin. 
but we confess that we have sometimes grown tired of putting up with each other and are sometimes tired of waiting for you to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Forgive us when we turn away from you to things that will never satisfy us. Amen. take a moment of quiet. If you are burdened with things on your soul, uh, God is gracious to hear your prayer.
Gracious Heavenly Father, in the ways that we have hurt others and in the ways we have been hurt by others, you were gracious to bring healing through the blood of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Would you please stand with me and um, we'll recite together these words of assurance. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer and my rock, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. Amen. And let us pray um, uh, for the spirit to continue to draw and open our eyes to God's word with this prayer. God of mercy, you promise never to break your holy covenant with us. In the midst of the multitude of words in our daily lives, speak your eternal word to us that we may respond with faithfulness, hope, and love. Amen. Today's Old Testament lesson is from Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear an increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Today's gospel lesson comes from Matthews chapter five, verse one through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord.
Well, it's good to be here with you and have a chance to look at God's Word. Uh, this morning we're going to begin a new uh, sermon series on the letter of James in the New Testament, entitling this series Resurrection Wisdom, with the hope being for all of us that we can learn wisdom, which is a, a true seeing, seeing things rightly, and knowing the proper action in this world. And what I think is that we can see that and understand that wisdom through the risen Jesus, that he's the one that invites us to the path of true wisdom. So let's look at these first eight verses from the letter of James. You can follow along in your uh, order of worship or just listen as I read. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Well, this is God's word given for our good. And as we look at this beginning of the letter of James, I, I want us to ask two questions to help us move our way through the passage. The first one is, how does James describe the ones he's writing the letter to? And the second question, how are we to view our trials? So this first question, how does he describe his audience, the ones receiving the letter? Well, he addresses them as the 12 tribes. This is a title from the language of Israel. The 12 tribes is a, is a name, a way of saying the covenant people of God, the ones that God has gathered as his own. And so he's writing to God's family. And then to this special title, he adds God's family in the dispersion. Dispersion, this is a word that we probably don't use that often or think about, but dispersion here means scattered or diaspora, displaced from one's home. Diaspora is, was a technical term referring to all the nations outside Israel where Jewish people had come to live. And it's likely that James has in mind, in particular, Jewish Christians who had been forced out of Jerusalem due to violence and persecution. But as we read this letter, I want us to know that history, but also understand that the dispersion carries a figurative meaning. This idea that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter our place, Scripture describes God's people as not being fully at home, unsettled. In a beautiful chapter in Hebrews 11, it talks about men and women of faith in this way. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them from a distance and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were strangers on this earth. They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, a true home, a forever home, and therefore God is not ashamed to call them his people. You see, James's opening words invite us to see that part of following Christ in this world is to know this dispersion, this estrangement or longing 
of being unsettled, that that is part of seeking after who God is. And under that word, maybe we can think about our personal experiences of longing, longing for things to be different within us or in our relationships. Or maybe we can think of the violent tragedies of our current moment in our city or our country. These moments, they highlight a sense of being scattered, unsettled, of being awakened to longing for a different type of home, a place that we are known and secure, a place that is settled. During the Easter season, it's appropriate for us to remember that death, death is the ultimate disruption, the greatest displacement. We know this, right? The loss of life, loss of those that we love, or facing our own mortality, it is unsettling and painful, and it makes it clear in strong and unpleasant ways that we are not in control they were not able to make things be the way we desire them to be. And so interestingly, James starts right here to God's people, the 12 tribes. This is your condition, the dispersion being scattered. And that introduction of those words connects right away to his opening verse. It is certain, he says, it's certain in this life you will know trials of various kinds. And these various difficulties are not presented as the fruit of bad choices. We know that that's part of life, that sometimes we bring things upon ourselves. But here he's talking about them as something that you simply meet as you walk through life as a human being. That you will certainly meet them. And so this opening introduction of his audience leads to the second question of how are we supposed to view these trials, this dispersion and scattering? And did you see how James writes here? Somewhat of a paradox, right? Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. This, we should be clear. I want to be clear. This is not a celebration of suffering. It's not some kind of dismissal of our lament or deep sorrow. It's not a rejection of honesty. Rather, James, right from the beginning, is offering you and me a new vision. A vision that says that Christian joy, Christian joy can exist even in the midst of trials. If that's true, then one way to read this letter that we'll see over the next weeks ahead of us is that James is offering us wisdom for our experiences of dispersion of feeling scattered and facing trials. He's offering wisdom about the variety of trials facing Christians or the Christian community. And he's going to address all sorts of things, address being mistreated, address what, the, what is true religion, address the problem of bias or favoritism. He's going to speak about how we hurt others with our tongue or that we've been hurt by the way they speak to us. But before he gets into those, some of those specifics, he offers this, I say, as a starting point. Before we think about any of the trials, before we think about what wisdom looks like in them, we have to start by remembering that we can count them as joy, that joy can continue even in the midst of them. 
And with the rest of our time, I want to, to look at two reasons why that can be true. Two reasons why we could have joy even in the midst of sorrows. We can have joy because we are united to the God who has overcome death. We can have joy because we are united to the God who has overcome death, and because God in his grace uses our trials to make us whole, to make us whole. So let's start with this first one. Count it all joy, because we are united to the God who has overcome death. In his poem, Noiseless Patient Spider, Walt Whitman says that our souls are like a spider. <laughs> wow, it's pretty bad, right? You know, it's hard to think of a worse description of your, of your soul. He says our souls are like spiders, and this is what he means, that we are always casting forth thread, casting forth thread, looking for something solid, something to cling to, something to attach ourselves to. Our souls are like spiders, desperate to connect with something worth holding on to. And I mentioned that poem because when we do feel scattered or when we feel the trials of various kinds, that seeking of something solid is heightened, right? We, we long for something that will stay, that's worth holding. And so it's into this challenge that James reminds us of who our God is. The first way he speaks about God is he says that God is the one who gives generously without grudging and without reproach. What is our, who is our God? What's he like? God gives wisdom generously to all without reproach, without disapproval. Here we have a chance to think that, again, but wisdom is true perception. Wisdom is seeing rightly and knowing then how to act. And we can know wisdom because wisdom has been embodied in the person of Jesus. And we know that the wisdom that Jesus embodied is true because his resurrection vindicates it. We know that Jesus is the one worthy to hold, worthy to attach ourselves to, the one who is solid because of his resurrection from the dead. His resurrection is a vindication of how he lived. His resurrection is a proving of who he is and proving himself right. So we can count it as joy that we are connected to the God who overcame death. The author Francis Schaeffer, when trying to describe the significance of Christ for our life, gives the image of a ring. Not a ring for your hand, but if we can picture some really strong steel ring that you can attach numerous cables to, that unites all these different strands. Schaeffer says that Christ is like this solid ring, not that we made it, but this ring that was given to us. And it's worthy of attaching the cables of our life about our work and our resources, about our relationships with friends or family, spouse or children, about how we even think of our intellectual or emotional lives. Such this ring, it can hold, and it can unify. It can tell us who we are and why we're here. It can tell us how we can see our neighbors and how to treat them. And it can invite us in the midst of all these challenges to rest in the steadfast love of God, a ring that's not our making, 
and not determined by our strength. We can have joy because God has overcome death. But the other starting point, the other point to remember is that we can count our trials with joy because God in his grace uses our trials to make us whole. Think about what this is saying. That trials do not prevent God's purposes. That our scattering or our mistreatment doesn't stop God's work. And in fact, in mysterious ways, God uses our difficulties to shape us. What James calls being made whole. See our passage, maybe you notice it, it reads, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be complete or whole in every part. We're invited to entrust ourselves to Christ as the one who is solid, worth holding on to, this ring that can bind our life. And that is the image of steadfastness, of entrusting yourself. Steadfastness is this entrusting with patience and entrusting with endurance and entrusting with perseverance. James is saying like a muscle that grows strong through training and resistance. So our steadfastness, our continuing in trust, even in the face of difficulty, that's often the context God uses to form us, to give us new ways of seeing or learn new ways of acting. But we know that that is challenging. Continuing in the face of difficulty is hard. And therefore James invites us to pray, to pray to the God who is generous and ask for wisdom, to ask to help us remember, to help us to see, to help us to understand God's presence and endure even in the midst of difficulties to remember ultimately God's purpose, which as I said, is to make us whole. All parts, the word there meaning all parts of who we are to be made whole, even the parts that we might want to hide or forget or conclude that are hopeless. And ultimately this wholeness, we know what it is because it looks like Jesus. That's what James will want us to see. It looks like the risen Jesus. And therefore, when we find wisdom or we find wholeness, what it looks like, as we'll see over the next weeks ahead, it looks like concern for the poor, the orphan, and the widow. Concern for the vulnerable or those in distress. It looks like learning a new way to see others. A new way of setting aside favoritism or bias. It looks like turning away from the idolatry of money and self-sufficiency It means the recognition that we're called to love, a love especially marked with humility and gentleness and mindfulness towards our tongue and our words. So as we begin this study, as we think about this call to have joy because God has overcome death and because God can even work in the midst of us through trials, I invite us to pray, to ask God to see in new ways to ask God to teach us how to respond in new ways, to come to the risen Christ and ask that he would give us strength by his spirit that we would continue in a steadfastness, even when things are challenging or when we feel deeply scattered within us. 
that we can cling to the one worthy to hold on to. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. and thank you for your word. Pray that you would minister to us, to us by your spirit as we hear and reflect on your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I invite you to stand with me as we prepare to come and receive communion. Let's join together in our responsive welcome to the table. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You may be seated. Well, God in his goodness gives us this gift of communion, this sacrament. And as we prepare to come, it's good to be reminded of this gift. The table of God, the table set for his family, is not set for those who are perfect or have made all the right promises about the future or commitments to the past. It's not the one only who has a perfect faith or strong faith at all times. Rather, the table is set for those who know of their need, their deep, deep hunger, and have turned to Christ as your hope. The table is set for sinners, broken men and women, those who know what it means to face trials or be scattered. For the table is not set with our strength or our promises. The table is set by Christ's broken body and his shed blood. For by his work on our behalf, he has brought us home, called us son and daughter, and given us a place at the family meal of God. This is the good news that we can see and touch and taste here in this meal. So if you know of your need, and if you put your faith in Christ, then eat and drink Ask God to meet you, to minister to you with his strength and with his spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are the creator who has made all things. That you're also, Lord, the redeemer. The one who has entered into our need and our sin to bring new life. And so, Lord, as we come in repentance and faith, Lord, meet us. Meet us in our needs. Speak grace into our shame Speak and offer strength into our weakness. Lord, strengthen us as we seek to be men and women of endurance and of steadfastness. Lord, you need your spirit to uphold us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you are participating in communion, I invite you now to open up the packet that you received on the way in. Does anybody who's taking communion need one? Anyone? Just raise your hand if you need one. We'll go ahead and open those that we can prepare to receive communion together as God's people. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Lord, we give you thanks for this table. 
And Lord, we come and we give you thanks for your spirit's presence. And we ask that you would minister to us, lifting us up and sending us out as your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together that we can respond to the table and receive God's blessing. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Dying, you destroyed our death. Rising, you restored our life. Lord Jesus, come in glory. Receive God's blessing. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, may the steadfast love of God surround you forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. May go in peace.